Hi, this is Cliff Crego for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. As you can probably hear, this is another field notes uh, report. So I'm um, just in the south uh, part of the Wogawas. I'm sitting right on top of uh, Cornucopia Peak with a spectacular view um, to the south, to the west, to the north, and to the east. So for non-local listeners, this is the highest peak you see from my office in Richland. It's about, um, in round numbers, 2650, 8600 feet, I think. And I'm out here doing um, whitebark pine uh, photography field work for the most part, and also uh, recording. So I'm, if it sounds different, this is my recording setup. So it's stereo on both sides. And I was hoping, I'm going to be brief up here because the wind is setting in pretty, pretty intense. And um, let me see if I, the wind kind of comes and goes. But it's a beautifully 90% uh, clear day. It's a little bit cool. A massive cold front has just passed through quite exceptional, dumped about a centimeter of rain in some parts of the Wallows, but really helped put out three fairly large uh, fires, at least put a damper on them, especially the dry gulch fire, I think. And uh, uh, I don't see any smoke uh, coming up from the dry gulch fire right now. I should be able to if it were really burning hot. And uh, But there are local uh, ignitions because there was so much lightning in fact, I, uh, on the way up here, um, doing photography work, I bumped into a uh, firefighting crew of about 10 people, and I spoke to the leader who was going behind, and he was telling me they're doing, they were out just on a single white bark pine, old growth, massive old growth, uh, lightning strike uh, that ignited just last night. And so there was a lot of lightning in the air. Uh, the fire lookout and all the other uh, wonderful uh, people who work with the fire uh, part of the Forest Service have really had their work cut out for them the last few days. And uh, they were going to put out one single, very much like they do in Australia with the gum trees that get hit by lightning that can burn for months. And then if it gets dry and hot enough, like it's doing with climate crisis, it can just blow up a whole part of the forest. So you're talking about square kilometers to just uh, ignite all of a sudden because of a single ignition tree. Well, in a similar spirit, they marched out there, and it's one heck of a march. It's a good uh, two or three hours from where they probably parked their vehicles to work on one single whitebark pine that blew up. And wouldn't you know it, uh, Raz of Wallawa Lamas, he saw it when he was packing in. So I think that's how they uh, found out about it. Uh, but there's a lot of action uh, up here in the Wallawas with the crazy weather because it's flipped. Um, and again, uh, this is not normal uh, climate uh, weather we're experiencing. That's my view. And you can back that up with all kinds of data. And of course, if you put it in the world context, the whole damn world is, <laughs> is experiencing unprecedented weather. Just off the top of my head, I'm looking down on the beautiful little town of Halfway, shouting out to friends down there. 
So halfway is almost two vertical kilometers. Let that sink in. Two vertical kilometers from where I'm sitting. Now that's, as we know, that's uh, 18 degrees of climate. Every degree, every uh, 100 meters of altitude gain, it gets one degree centigrade uh, cooler. So I call that a degree of climate. And just to be conservative, I cut that in half. So in round numbers, it would be nine degrees of climate difference between where I'm sitting at 2650 and 800 meters at um, the little town of Halfway. Well, if you're living in Halfway and don't come up here, it doesn't seem like that at all. It just seems like you're a mountain and you just kind of watch uh, how much snow is up here. But there's an awful dramatic story both subtle and very right in your face, which is playing off right as we speak. Now, that's why I wanted to shoot off a field notes report, uh, first and foremost, just for me personally, so I don't forget this stuff, and uh, second, to share and hopefully set some uh, not so much deniers, but kind of lazy bone, uh, progressive, oh, climate's happening, but what the hell can we do about it anyway? Uh, uh, bums on fire. Because in my view, as uh, listeners to the uh, Field Notes report will know, uh, it's all hands on deck. Now, why do I say that? Well, I walked the whole way up here. I did not drive a single bit. And if you do that, you're going to be... I had a whole day where I was just really suffering. Uh, because I'm carrying a lot of gear and uh, a lot of camera recording gear and stuff. And I tried to come super light. But still, I had a whole day, no water. Well, you'll never forget that. Because sometimes you're pushing it so hard, and, um, uh, well, you figure, well, yeah, what's going to happen if I pass out or something? Not that because of not being in shape or whatever, but it's because of just thirst. Well, you know, you can always push it to beyond certain limits, and these limits are changing. So that's number one. Number two, without, uh, don't forget, uh, I refuse to enter that space of two guns pointed at each other. This culture of hate and fear and opposing signs, Republican, Democrat, Dem, Reb, Reb, Dem. I refuse to enter that world. For me, it's just the circle of life. I'm sitting here surrounded by magnificent old growth, crumholtz, crooked wood, uh, white bark pines. There's almost 100% healthy white bark pines up here. The higher you go, the healthier you get. Now, that's a no-brainer. It's very simple. It's that they're being pushed off the planet. And we'll most likely go locally extinct in the Wulawas. They won't go extinct on the planet because they move very, like one step for a white bark takes 100 years. But they're moving up and they're moving north. And why? Because there's a hotter, drier climate, for Christ's sake. And if, it, if we have in Celsius, don't forget that Celsius is an ethical question. We all got to be on the same page. So I know there are a lot of old-time friends out there that refuse to make the switch, but we got to make the switch. Otherwise, we don't have the language we need to be able to understand what the heck is going on. And this thing about altitude that is such a gift is that what we are hiking and climbing and running and biking and skiing through is climate. So if we were to take the time, say you were a young person and suitably physically 
enabled and walked from halfway to where I'm sitting. Well, you'll never forget it. It will definitely, without paying a single penny of an entrance fee or just minimal equipment, you just come in a wool blanket. And it is a life-changing event. For all of the wonders of the natural world, you will inevitably discover, like running out of water and what that means for us homo sapiens. It's horrifying to see that even with this nonsense language of snow water equivalent, i got to come down really hard on that now. It's just absolute bullshit. It's just absolute bullshit. Those people with 137%, they're not living out here, baby. And when I look at the, I crossed over on this north side, and it's absolutely horrifying that there's no snow in all of the north-facing cirques. There's no snow to be seen anywhere. Is that climate average? Absolutely not. Climate average, just 50 years ago, every single north-facing would have had at least three meters of snow. Vestigial, ice fields, permafrost, you name it. And that's all been, that's all vanished. Well, who's up here documenting it? Nobody. Who's up here to remember it? Nobody. We don't have that tradition, so we don't see it. Well, it's one thing not to see it, and it's another thing to not care about it. That's an ethical question. So I'm just sending curses and lightning strikes down to that little town of Halfway. That people got to wake up for what the hell is going on up here. Because this is not what it was just 20 years ago. And if you learn the language, it's like, the, I always say, the white barks are speaking white bark. It's like learning French. It's no harder than learning French. They're speaking their language. And if we take the time and slow down enough, every single step you're learning more. Now, are they suffering? You better believe they're suffering. Now, what is it causing it? We are causing it. It's not just blister rust, which has only been here for 100 years. That's an introduced fungus, 1910, all the rest of it. I mean, there's a whole army of scientists that are studying that. And it's not just mountain pine beetles. There's a whole army of other scientists studying that. But the biggest circle, the biggest causal factor, hands down, if you actually are up here, is a hotter, drier climate. Full stop. Now, how much hotter and drier? It's at least 3 degrees centigrade warmer on average than it was just 30 years ago here. And the tendency is steeply increasing. I tell people, you can quote it, it's impossible to back that up with hard data, but you go figure it out. The snow level here is rising by 2 centimeters a day. Well, anybody who's a skier or a winter alpinist knows that you, that's the line you watch. That's why Celsius is so important. You watch that zero line. You want to know where the rain changes into snow. Well, nobody's watching that up here. So that 137% uh, snow water equivalent is just absolute bullshit. All they're doing is measuring that at one station. Sure, there was a lot of snow, but the, the rhythm of the snow is what you've got to watch. And that has totally changed. So if you draw a simple snow bell curve, it's all over the different websites. I've been doing it for 15 years. That the snow bell curve, when the continuous, up here where I'm sitting, we have a continuous snowpack. When that starts and when it stops, that is crucial. Now you ask an old timer here, they have no idea. But it's morphed, it's changed. We've lost four to six weeks 
on both sides. So when it starts and when it stops. Now that rhythm for all the plants up here, everything is alive in the circle of life, is absolutely crucial. It's not just that you have three, I've seen, I can see where I'm camped below here. Now how much lower is that? It's about, it's about 400 meters, I'm just, I, I don't know, it's about 400 meters or so. Well, I, just a few years back, I was on three and a half meters of snow, May the 19th. It was five years ago. It was the avalanche tragedy year, so 2014. May the 19th, I dug a snow pile all the way down to Berg, three and a half meters. It was a pretty good snow pack. And I was in snow every single day. Just the harsher conditions in January or February. Not something you want to do if you weren't prepared for it. And I was up here for two weeks. Well, I came back to exactly the same spot before summer solstice, and that gone was totally finito. Well, that is not natural rhythm of uh, snow melt. You have to have at least three degrees centigrade, warmer temperature. That snow is just a goner. It will just evaporate and sublimate, turning, uh, jumping from snow. It skips the liquid stage and goes right into a gaseous state, right before your eyes. So it's melting on the surface and it's melting on the, on the bottom where it meets the ground. Well, that kind of snow melt I've never seen at that time of year, at this altitude. If people in the Alps where they know they, there's snow, they would just be absolutely horrified. And when they would look at this, that you've lost all your permafrost, you've lost all of your uh, fern snow, your permanent snowpacks. Well, that's the money in the bank. So if people think they can just go on with business as usual with their getting their uh, irrigation water, uh, if, the, if we lose these uh, white barks, and my prediction is that they're going to go locally extinct here. It's only, it's not a question of if, it's just when. They're being pushed off the planet. And we're just getting started with the warming of the planet. We're just getting started. This is what holds down the snowpack. These trees go, no snowpack. The only thing, and I'll finish with that, is that I gotta watch the clouds here is that what is the first thing that I glass for? What's the first thing I hope to hear when I come up into whitebark pine country? Is on, So what did I say? 2650. So if I go down to 2100, the whitebarks click out. Well, why is that? Well, it's not because of competition. Do you think these whitebarks can't compete with dug firs? It's because they're simply adapted to a cooler glacial-like uh, environment. Lots of snow, cold winds, bring it on, the more the better. But they totally click out. Below 2200, 2100, you will not find a single whitebark pine. And uh, lots of lakes where they used to grow at 22, 23, they're already gone. You have to have an eye for it to find the snags that are dead. So these trees are definitely migrating upwards. And for a very simple reason of hotter, drier. And you put the number on it, but you got to be out here measuring it. It's got to be the higher you go in altitude is the same as the farther you go in latitude. And why? Because we've lost the snow reflectivity. Snowpack in the Wallau is just in the lifetimes of most of the listeners to this field notes report has declined by 50%. That's why that snow bell curve is totally a different shape than it used to be just 50 years ago. 50% throughout the whole of the Northwest. 
Well, what does that mean in terms of loss of reflectivity? It means everything. I'm sitting here looking at a southern exposure, but that is just going to burn up with this kind of heat. If you're a, uh, I was up uh, 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 another hiker I met along the way came away to do a little bit of natural history hiking up here. It was wonderful. And so we hiked up to the ridge, and we were making photographs together and glassing together. Now, what's the first thing that uh, we noticed? There are no, there, repeat, there are no nutcrackers here. Well, last year, I come here at least three times a year to do this work. In all seasons, the nutcrackers are up here year-round. Also, there is not, there are a few solitary, just like Cliff, very alone and very depressed up here, the, uh, nutcrackers. That's it. You'll hear them call out, and the call isn't answered. It's a very tragic thing to hear. Now, why are there no nutcrackers? Because the uh, whitebarks didn't produce cones. Last year, we had a bumper harvest. Now, the fact is, is that they didn't produce cones. So I'm using my language very carefully here. The fact is, is that they didn't produce cones. If you glass it carefully, you'll see all of the cone stems. I don't know the proper word, but they've eaten all the seeds. They've all been harvested. There are thousands of them. And last uh, summer, last season, Right around this time, there must have been a hundred, two or three different bands of nutcrackers. And don't forget, they have the most developed memory in the animal. Don't think they don't know who Cliff is. They have thousands of caches. Every single white bark up here has been planted by a nutcracker. So this is their apple orchard. They know this like, uh, well, the, the, uh, I was going to say the back of their hand. I don't know what the comparison would be. But they know where they're at and they know why they're here. So if there are no uh, seeds to be harvested, they're not. it's an asymmetrical symbiosis, you call that. That's ugly language. But it just means that the pines, the white barks are the only pines that have cones that don't open of themselves. Well, go figure, right? So they're totally dependent and have co-evolved with the nutcrackers. They're dependent on the birds to harvest their cones. Otherwise, they can't regenerate. Well, go figure. Well, the uh, nutcrackers are not totally dependent. They, if they, uh, it's like, okay, this store is uh, out of coffee, so they'll move on to the next store. And so they can change territories. Now, obviously, as birds, they're much more flexible anyway. Um, so they'll just move to better uh, uh, harvesting grounds. But that's it for the whitebarks. If the whitebarks are getting hit with a lack of nutcrackers, then we're in deep, deep trouble. Now, that's what in these circumambulations around the whole of the Wallawas, that's what I've noticed mostly on the north side. We've always been in better shape up until this year uh, on the south side. Now, the fact, as I was going to say, and then I'll end this because i got to start heading down, and I'm not quite done with the photo work I wanted to do. But just to get people excited and get people inspired to come up here and start thinking about it, and especially start to think about our damn carbon budget. It's more than time, as far as I'm concerned, to put total the brakes on fossil fuel emissions. In my view, there should be gas rationing, every kind of tax you can imagine. If we do not stop putting carbon into the atmosphere, 
Well, if you burn it all, baby, you melt it all. And if you melt it all, we're going to burn every single tree in the Northwest. So there has to be a radical slamming of the brakes on fossil fuel emissions. So that means airplanes out. That means all this travel that we're doing out. We cannot possibly sustain all of this hydrocarbon lifestyle we take for granted and expect to have all the things we love. Now the white barks up here are applauding. If people ask me, I say, what's coming to white barks? Well, it's easy, we are. We just don't want to see it. And I'm talking to myself too. Everything I have on is made out of hydrocarbons. So something's got to radically change now, not tomorrow. And if you're thinking you're going to get to your snow water, I got news for you, baby. That tap is going to be shut off mighty soon because the Wallawas are drying out. There's a noose that goes all the way around the Wallawas. And just walk it yourself. All the way around the Wallawas. That's a trip of two months. That noose is going up and up and up, and that's that snow line. And everything below it is drying out. When I came up here, I just could not believe how dry, just say, the dirt was. And they're running cattle if there's no tomorrow. Well, they've totally destroyed the top layer of soil. It's just bare dirt. It's just absolutely disgusting. And the more bare dirt it is, the hotter it gets. There's no humus, nothing. No water hasn't rained for months. And they just run more and more cattle. Nobody with the cattle watching it. They just take it for granted that it was the same way it was 40 years ago. What isn't the same way it was 40 years ago? And the drier it gets, the hotter the air gets. The hotter the air gets, the drier the soil gets. If you walk it, that devil's loop, that vicious cycle, that positive feedback loop, you'll never forget it. Stay in your truck and drive to the damn wilderness and you'll never see it. You've got to start in canyon country and hike and take your time to come up here and then you'll see it. If you just drive to the wilderness, forget it. You're just on a vacation. You cannot figure out climate crisis that way. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. This is Cliff signing off for the picture-poems, circle in the square, field notes report. I think I forgot to say this. This is Tuesday the 12th, 2019. It's uh, almost exactly 16 hours in tea, natural time, looking out on the beautiful, spectacular valleys of uh, Pine Valley and Happy Eagle Valley, sending out love and, uh, and uh, good wishes to everybody down in the low country. Thanks for listening. This is Cliff signing off for now. Ciao for now.